companies out there operating without any decent restraint, totally beyond the pain of any acceptable human conduct. CBR Street Gang, this is Bob Mike, Sandy Bye, over. murder in this place was like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. And welcome to Speaking Out America with JR. I'm your host. It feels so good to be back on the air. I cannot tell you how how thrilling it is to be with you here on the podcast as well as on CRN Talk. And we are here to uh, to enlighten you as to what's really going on. I wrote an article about this on my Speaking Out America podcast that explains why I am so passionate about being on the radio and being on the air and being in communication. Forty years I've been doing this. I've been behind some of the, the most important and relevant talk programs in history. And uh, there is no question in my mind that the call to arms has never been more profound than it is today. And that is why uh, we were able to work with the folks at CRN and they have enjoyed the podcast uh, tremendously. And unfortunately, we live in a world where we have different avenues of communication. We can get to you through downloads. We can get through live radio, which we do will be carried in some great states and great cities. We've already uh, landed our first affiliate in Billings. We'll be on in Phoenix soon. We'll be on in other markets, Colorado Springs. So we're going to be trying the three-prong approach to reaching you with Speaking Out America. And I promise you what you're going to hear here is unique and nowhere else will you have the insight that I can give you here on this program and on the podcast. My articles are unique. They're posted at speakingoutamerica.com. And every single day I wake up and I say, what a bunch of crock. Uh, Over the weekend, and we'll get to some of this in this hour. It's going to be a cram-packed hour. But over the weekend, I don't know how it was in your town, but a little bit later on we're going to talk about this this craziness that's going on with the LGBT community and how it is embracing the um, culture and they are going after children to try to get them inculcated into this transsexual identity ideology. And what I don't understand is why our local medias, uh, news medias, your, your local ABC, NBC, Wherever you live, if you have a gay pride event or a pride event, that's what they just call them. They used to call them gay pride events. Now they just call them pride events. Why is it that the news media always comes down on the side of LGBTQ, even when they've crossed the line? So I want you to think about that question. And I want you to think hard because a lot of what we talk about is about the media obfuscating the truth. And they do it all the time, every single day. It's, it's not so much overt as it is subvert. For example, big CPAC over the weekend. Donald Trump was there Saturday afternoon. I was on social media at the time, so it was easy for me to kind of get a sense, the pulse of, of the excitement. There were a lot of people that were excited about it. A lot of people showed up. 2024 is going to be a, a no question. Trump's going to be there unless even announced this weekend that even if he's indicted, he will he will still run for president. He's in. He's in it to win it. And uh, now we see what happened with just two years under the current administration 
and things have changed quite a bit, haven't they? Now, there's still a lot of people that are in mass psychosis form formation, and they don't understand that they're under a spell. And part of this program, and others like it, are to wake people up from that. If you're driving home and you're listening, or if you're on the internet, I'll give you a good example. I, I've been doing this podcast on my website for about four years. And even today, even today, even though I've had over 25,000 people view my articles, when I type in Speaking Out America, it redirects me to a completely different website. If you go in the Google search bar and you type in Speaking Out America, don't put the .com, but just Speaking Out America, you may get a redirect that takes you to a completely different website that's called Speak Out Americans or something that has nothing to do with politics. Why? Because I probably have been flagged by algorithms that detect the word usage that I use for my articles, for my podcasts. I've been labeled. And we know now, we know that big tech are red flagging conservatives. We know that GDI, which is this new watch, watchdog group based out of London, is, is flagging conservative websites and podcasts. And how dare they? Who the hell do they think they are? What gives them the right, these people that have tons of money, like the Bill Gateses of the world, they fund these things? Who gives them the right to do that? Because it's against their political wishes? What is it that, that, that makes Bill Gates and Melinda Gates and George Soros and Klaus Schwab and all of these other oligarchs, uh, Amazon, Bezos, Zuckerberg, what gives them the right? What gives them the right to call the shots? on who is legitimate and who isn't. And let me give you a good example of just how this obfuscation of information works. ABC News, number one national news in the country. I think it averages about 7 to maybe 12 million, which in today's world is a lot. Uh, a good day on CNN might get them, you know, half a quarter of a million people tuning in for a specific show. So it's fair to say that the institutional media, the legacy media, has its fair share of the uh, the pie, the view the viewer pie. So it's important what they say and how they say it. So big CPAC, Trump overwhelmingly three to one popular vote. I think it was sixty two percent, followed by DeSantis, who's hovering at around twenty five percent, and then we have a couple of others. Larry Hogan's in there somewhere. Uh, Mike Pompeo, who I'm a big fan of. I hope that he becomes the vice presidential pick. I would trust his judgment. I watched him during the Trump administration, and he was very good. Don't know if he's a rhino, but I know his heart's in the right place. He's got God in his heart, and he, he loves this country. I know that to be damn sure. But here's ABC on Sunday night giving, oh, I don't know, 29 seconds to CPAC, even though if you were watching it on social media, all you saw was tremendous support, overwhelming support. And, and the speech that Trump, which we'll get to in just a second, was fantastic. But how did ABC News portray it? Well, uh, let's take a listen. To politics now and the race for the White House kicking into gear. Former President Donald Trump making his pitch for the nomination, telling followers, I am your retribution, facing multiple investigations, vowing to stay in the race even if he's indicted. Okay, so right there what they're doing is they're undercutting the story. 
They, they don't show a clip. They don't even show a clip. There's no clip, even though Trump spoke for, what, over an hour. Are you telling me that they couldn't have one clip from what was the hottest political uh, event of probably the last three months? And they didn't even have a clip. All they had was, well, was this. Former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan announcing today that he will not run, but the field remains crowded with possible contenders. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, another potential hopeful for 2024, on the road in California. And he didn't even announce. So there, you know, this is a, that's a Will Whitman does the weekends with Lindsey Davis, but they they all perpetuate the same garbage. But they basically just panned it. This is ABC saying, yeah, you know, half its audience. But this is what they missed. They couldn't even find one soundbite. Now, I heard uh, some of the, the Trump speech, and, and it was quite invigorating. You know why? Because everything that Joe Biden has done in the last two years has been absolutely uh, destructive to this country. And Trump rightly, rightly zeroed in on each one of those mistakes. I was the only president in decades that didn't have a war. But I completed wars that were already started. I will implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods and gain total independence from China. We have to do it. I will fight for parents' rights. Can you believe that here we are, and I'm saying I'm going to fight for parents' rights? Who would think that you have to ever say parents' rights? Don't you think parents have pretty good rights, right? Who would think that you have to actually say it? But you do, because they took the rights away. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's crazy executive order, installing Marxist diversity, equity, and inclusion czars in every federal agency. And I will immediately terminate all staffers hired to implement this horrible agenda. And the crown went wild. That's Donald Trump. It's at CPAC and, um, you know, again, drawing attention to the war, the fact that there were no wars when he was out of, or before he got out of office, except for Afghanistan, which he inherited and tried to bring it to an end. And then of course that debacle of the Afghan exit. Now we're right back in the, in the thick of things. And, and a little bit later, I think we need to spend a little bit of attention to what is actually happening over there. I have been following, if you've uh, if you've been listening, the the Russian forces are taking over Bakhmud, uh, which is a strategically important region in the eastern part of, of Ukraine. And it is so strategic that it has been m- m- muttered that if they get it, then it's over for Ukrainian. And I thought to myself, the Ukrainians, uh, if they lose this war, we will avoid World War III. Again, if, if we lose, if Ukraine loses this war, we will avoid World War III. Do you understand what that means? That means that if they continue to batter away and we continue to send arms and now training their F-16 pilots, uh, at what point does America decide to throw it all in and start getting involved? And then NATO as well. And the next thing you know, we've got a full-blown World War III scenario. So in, in a weird kind of strange way, what's happening right now will determine whether we end up going full throttle into World War III. JR here on Speaking Out America. So much more to come. Stay tuned.
Yeah, welcome back. Speaking out, JR, speakingoutamerica.com. And we're talking about CPAC. So another surprise over the weekend that also got panned by the confused and misguided media is that Tulsi Gabbard gave a great speech at CPAC, and I want to play it because I thought that it was uh, extremely insightful. Uh, we're, you know, I, I'm not a, a afraid to say this, and, and I know that a lot of people my age feel the same way, that when we were younger, especially us old rock and rollers, we were, we were Democrat. We were John Kennedy Democrats. I wasn't smart enough or even old enough to understand when Reagan was in office. But I was, I was a fan of, of Carter until, uh, until I realized later how much damage he inflicted on the country, much like Joe Biden is doing now with an open border policy. And I, I think, you know, whenever you get these compassionate leaders who feel like they're saving the world, they create more problems. Uh, then they solve many more problems. The road to hell, as you know, is paved with good intentions. And our current president, uh, he has, I, I assume he has good intentions, but he's destroying the country. So if you don't remember, it's Tulsi Gabbard who is single-handedly responsible for Kamala Harris not being the president of the United States. If you remember the, the debate, the VP debates, where Tulsi brought up the fact that, that Kamala Harris lied and also was willing to put a man on death row to death, even though he, there was proof that would have uh, exonerated the so-called suspect. And that destroyed her political career. Not, not uh, discounting the fact that Kamala Harris is also not very well liked. She just comes off as being, well, kind of ignorant, actually. She's pretty ignorant. I mean, she, I've never heard her say anything. And, but that wasn't why I didn't like her. I didn't like the way that she would make up stuff during the Brent Kavanaugh Supreme Court hearings, confirmation hearings, accusing him of basically being a rapist, even though she had no clear evidence. So her career's over until Joe Biden lifts the ropes and brings her into the White House. But there was speculation early on in the Democratic Party that Kamala was going to be the chosen one. And it still could be true. I'm of a firm belief that the Democrats do not want George, uh, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden to run because of the fact that he's an imbecile. And he, uh, he talks a good game, but he doesn't speak well. And every day he puts his foot in his mouth. Every single day he puts his foot in his mouth. And, and look, I'm a, I try to be a nice guy, and I don't like to disparage people, but I got to call a spade a spade. And I think Joe Biden is, is inept. I think he's been in Washington way too long. Uh, I don't need a, a Democrat. I wouldn't consider him a Democrat. And that's kind of the point of what... Tulsi Gabbard made at CPAC this weekend. And because the Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party that I grew up with. We were all about the environment, but we were about cleaning up the environment. We weren't about making regulation and, and demonizing uh, fossil fuels. We were pro, you know, anti-discrimination against uh, people who might be gay or, or people of color or things of that nature. But we by no means pushed mental illness as a virtue as we're currently doing with the LG, uh, the trans uh, sickness that's going on. And Tulsi Gabbard is right because the, the, the things that she believed that the Democratic Party stood for were no longer. So this is a little bit long, but everything she says, it, it, it's, it's like a gift. I don't know what it's going to mean for her political career, but right now I'm just glad that she's got the courage to say what she said. I was inspired by leaders in my home state of Hawaii who fought for plantation workers who were being abused 
and exploited by their wealthy landowners. I was inspired by leaders like Martin Luther King, JFK, and I was drawn to the ideals of the Democratic Party at that time that welcomed all people from different backgrounds and views that stood up and fought for working men and women, fought for the little guy, and that actually took a stand for free speech, for civil liberties. Now, as I stand here before you today, I am no longer a Democrat. Because I could not in good conscience remain in a party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers led by the queen of warmongers herself, Hillary Clinton, and embodied by President Joe Biden today, leaders who are driven by cowardly wokeness. They are led by fanatical ideologues, I think many of you have been exposed to them, who pose a threat to our democracy because they don't believe in freedom. They don't believe in freedom of speech or freedom of thought or freedom of religion. They don't believe in the right that every one of us has as Americans to express ourselves without fear of retribution or retaliation from our government. They demand purism to whatever their agenda is of the day, and they try to censor speech that they don't like, and they label it as, well, this is misinformation, disinformation, so-called hate speech or violent speech, and we have to censor this speech to protect you. I know this has happened to me, it's probably happened to a lot of you, but in doing so, they're undermining our civil liberties, and they're abusing their power by taking authorities in things like the Patriot Act and using secret FISA courts to illegally surveil Americans, working hand in glove with their partners in the corporate media and in big tech, actively working to silence and smear those of us who dare to challenge their authority. How can a political party that is opposed to freedom be trusted with our democracy? They can't. That's the whole point. We've got a president now who's willing to circumvent Congress to sign on to a treaty that would enable the World Health Organization to dictate what, when, and where Americans should do if there should ever be a global pandemic like the one that we had not two years ago. This is a president who's willing to go to a foreign country on, on President's Day and show support while at the same time his citizens back home are being overrun by a border that he has allowed to fester into a huge problem. Uh, over the weekend, we read about all the 100,000 or so, I forget who it was, somebody made a point that more people have died from fentanyl poisoning than all of the troops that have died since World War, after World War II, in two years. So more people have died from fentanyl, which is pouring in across the border at phenomenal rates. And I saw this picture of how much fentanyl it would take to kill you. And it takes less than the amount of whatever they call that stuff, powder, that you would find in a baby bear aspirin. Less than that would kill you. And that's why over 100,000 men between the ages of 18 and 45 have died. Thinking they're taking Percocet. Thinking, And you say, well, what does this have to do with Joe Biden? It has everything to do with Joe Biden. It has been proven that the Chinese are funneling fentanyl made. Now, of course, it's being made by the cartels as well. 
This is war. This is what they're doing. And our president refuses to even acknowledge that the problem exists, except for he scoffed at a mother last week who was weeping over the death of her son because of an overdose. I talked to a gentleman who runs a radio station in Colorado who went down to the border, El Paso, and he says it's coming in and they're sprinkling it on marijuana. These are, these are dangerous times. And look at the president that we have and listen to what Tulsi Gabbard, a former Democrat, had to say. This is, this is not a good time and we are under tragic leadership. So we'll continue in just a moment here. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. SpeakingOutAmerica.com is my website and my podcast. And we will continue. I was particularly bothered this weekend because every time I see a local news, I don't live in a big city, but I live in a, you know, it's pretty big city. It's got a million people. And our local news, uh, every time there's a uh, pride event, whether it's at a school or whether, I mean, we were even broadcasting that Austin was having a pride event. I think they even mentioned it on the national news. It's like a big deal that these uh, these organizations get together and they are celebrating uh, coming out, LGBTQ. Uh, and, and, and I have no general problem with it. I remember back in the early days, for those who don't know, June is Pride Month, right? So pride, where, why is that? Why is June Pride Month? Well, because uh, I, I'm not sure if the roots are tied to the solstice parade in Southern California, but they used to celebrate solstice on June 22nd, which was a pagan ritual uh, that goes back towards the Druids, I believe, and probably other religions as well, the summer solstice. And so it would recognize the sun as being the giver of life, the sunshine, and we celebrate the soul, S-O-L, soul. Well, the LGBTQ hijacked that parade and turned it into a gay pride parade, and it would draw hundreds of thousands of people to Santa Barbara every year. And then it caught on, and then soon other pride parades were also held on the summer solstice. And now we have the entire month, which is dedicated to LGBTQ pride. And uh, and now, along with that, is the newest edition of the LGBTQ pride family, the transsexuals. Men who like to get up and dress in drag. And it's it's all these communities across the country are dealing with, you know... Uh, Drag queen library reading for kids in school. Drag queen bingo, which is a big popular event. And you ask yourself, why? What is this new phenomena? What is this new social phenomena? And I think it stems from, well, it's fetish. It's, uh, let's, not be, let's not be coy here. Let's call it for what it is. It's fetishism. Every society has dealt with the rising and falling of immorality. Even going back to the Old Testament, if you look at Samuel and you look at Isaiah and you look at Amos and you look at uh, who's the Elijah, all of those early prophets of the Old Testament were protesting against the the sin of nature, the sin of man, the the way that. Societies were evolving along 
rituals and sacrifices and uh, hedonism. It was and in these early people who were very committed to religious principles were were just absolutely offended that you could have this cultural thing. And so this isn't unique. It's not like this is the first time fetishism has has appeared. Even the Roman, the great Roman Empire had its problems with the spread of disease. And uh, the, it's just the, in China, I read that there was a period in their own history where they actually promoted the idea of transsexuality because they wanted uh, young children to be nubile and you could go either way. And, uh, and there is that sort of tendency, I think, of, of especially in Asian communities where men look more effeminate. In fact, it got so bad in China, they actually banned that music K-pop because it was turning young boys into girls. That's what the CCP was concerned. So even they've had their problems. But you know what's strange is here in America, in our news media, when they have a pride event and they're doing the drag shows and they're bringing out, and and now it seems like the trans ideology has sort of taken over this whole movement. And we're going to talk about it a lot because it's dreadful. And I'm not against gay, gay people being free of discrimination. We have laws on the books now. We allow for gay men and women to be, but it is, it's, you know, Tulsi Gabbard is right. These people are so radicalized that they've turned it into a religion. They turn sexuality into a religion. And I'll say a few things. First, stop looking down and look up. This is the problem with, with a lot of people that I know from the gay community. They are so damned obsessed with themselves that they're looking down instead of looking up. Do you know what I mean by that? Looking down instead of looking up. What are they looking at when they look down? They're looking at their sexual organs, and then they're determining that their worldview is, is built upon their sexual organs, their desires, their, their wanting to come out. A little bit later, perhaps in another show, uh, I'll tell you who is spearheading a lot of this, what we're seeing. In California, they've adopted new rights to decriminalize child molestation. You think I'm making this up? And you know who's behind it? Lance Bass, Kathy Griffin, and this other guy named Oobsie, who showed up recently and now runs the LGBTQ parent organization in California. And they're the ones that go and lobby for all of these bills that are intended to protect against discrimination against gay men and women. But what, in fact, is that they become permissive laws intended to shield adult predators from facing jail time. That's what's happening in California. It's bad. It's real bad. And it's disgusting because if you're a 14-year-old child in California, there's a target on your back. All it's needed now is for you to say yes. They give you drugs, you say yes. Oral copulation, boom. No crime. Kid is stuck with that memory in his head for the rest of his life. What did I do? And they know that they take advantage. I mean, that's what, that's what predators do. They find weaknesses. Human trafficking is predatory behavior. It's finding some weak, poor, confused young girl who doesn't get along with her mommy, and she's at a bus stop, and some nice guy comes along, and, hey, I'll I'll take care of you, take her to eat, do whatever. Next thing you know, she's on drugs, she's partying, she's getting addicted to drugs. Boom, all of a sudden, she's hitting the streets. That same guy that was supposedly her protector is now using her 
along with the other 18 runaway girls he's met in the last two years. Uh, this is what is at the root of human trafficking. And, this, and, and the new laws in California are intended uh, to rob children of their childhood. And yet, you turn on the TV and they're celebrating pride and they're celebrating LGBTQ and coming out and why can't drag queens be allowed to perform at children's schools? We're trying to teach our children not to be discriminatory. And this is the sick argument of the feeble-minded few who are so caught up in their own fetishism that they don't understand that they're destroying not only the child's childhood, but the child's adulthood and the child's sense of self. Now they're turned into a narcissistic little fetish-obsessed man who's going to turn around and do the same thing to somebody else to affirm his own position. But the LGBTQ would have you know none of this. And now they're trying to turn children uh, into something that I, I, I never saw coming. I never thought it would go. I, mean, I remember back, again, we talked about you're young and you're idealistic and you're a Democrat and you're all about saving people. And uh, you're permissive and you don't want to step, step on anybody's rights and all this, right? Everybody should be allowed to express themselves. That's the argument. Oh, they express themselves. But where does it stop? What's next? Bestiality? Why not? Why can't a, an adult decide to have a relationship with a cat or his puppy? I mean, right now we look at, oh, that can't happen. But they're, they're trying to normalize predatory behavior among adults. And that's disgusting to me. It's, it's, it's not only disgusting, it's disgusting that the major news media and your local news media are sitting there affirming it, saying it's bad to be against uh, all these pride festivals. It's bad to be against, uh, you know, in, in Florida they've outlawed that if you're going to serve alcohol at a gay pride event, if you have transgender men or if you have a drag show, no alcohol is served, they'll revoke your license. And the local news media says that's bad. That's discriminatory. That's not fair. These people want to sell alcohol at their events. That's a, that's a good combination, isn't it? Drag queens, alcohol, and coming out, and children. It's, and, and it's right for people to say stop. Speaking out, America, be back. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. Good to have you here. Don't forget my website, my articles, and my podcast, all available online. Some of you may be listening to this podcast even now as I speak, is uh, speakingoutamerica.com. Uh, and we've covered a lot in this, this uh, brief time to, that we've had together. And I, I want to kind of reiterate that the biggest challenge that we have right now is what we're going to do with this, this current leadership that we have. Uh, I'll give you a good example. There was a, an FAA hearing. Let's see if I can find the, the story. There was an FAA hearing not long ago where the new nominee, this is the person that would run the FAA. And I want you to think about this. And this has been the problem, I think, with the president. He picks these people. Like he appointed Kamala Harris to run the, 
you know, to fix the border. She's the border czar, but nothing happened. Uh, and you got Pete Buttigieg, who is running the transportation department, and it's been one debacle after another. And now he wants to uh, appoint a nominee who is black. This is why he's being nominated, because it checks off a box. Bill Washington is his name. Uh, he is President Joe Biden's nominee. He would be the administrator of the Federal Aviation Association. This is the major government apparatus that has dominion over 10 to 15,000 flights every single day that shuttle 20 to 30 million people across our country every single day. These are the uh, traffic cops for the skies. So anytime you have a down problem like we had a few weeks ago where it was a software glitch or we have problems with planes that are hitting each other, which we've been seeing more and more, even to the point where they could regulate who got a vaccine. Remember that? All the pilots and stewards and stewardesses that all lost their jobs because of this uh, pandemic. And so President Biden nominated Phil Washington, and he was giving his testimony before Congress. Ted Cruz was there. Others were there. And it was abundantly clear after just a few minutes, and we're going to play some of that tape, uh, that he didn't know anything about anything about flying. I'm, I'm not even sure what, why he was nominated, really. I mean, Biden picked him because he was an African-American, and he wanted an African-American. African, he wanted the, the first African-American to be put in charge of the FAA. Let's listen to uh, an interchange, and this is between, I think it's uh, Ted Budd, senator from the Republic, Republican Center from North Carolina. He's asking the FAA nominee questions that an FAA administrator would need to know. Not only did he fail to impress the senators with his answers, he had no answers. And this is the guy that Biden was advised by his crack team to appoint the FAA director. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty important part. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay, so what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... Uh, but uh, obviously you'd oversee the F Federal Aviation Administration, so um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions I think would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... It's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds okay. in different categories, and uh, what, ele what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and, uh, and then uh, amount of knots, it's under 250 knots. So okay. it's not having, having anything to do with blood pressure. So can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. What are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. Three aircraft certifications. Uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act. 
uh, and report you know the three types uh, mr. Washington the, the three no. types okay yeah that's type certificate production certificate and airworthiness certificate mm -hmm. okay all right let's just keep going see if we can um, um, get lucky here so can you tell me what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airliners during the daytime mr. Washington I, I don't want to guess on that senator are you familiar with the difference between part 107 and part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards unmanned aerial unmanned like drones are you familiar with the yes difference? yes okay you know the difference between those two part 44809 and part 107 do you know the difference there no i cannot uh it's okay spell that out you could hear it in his voice uh senator bud that he was just getting so frustrated i mean i think about it i just was making a list here you've got granholm jennifer granholm former governor of michigan who is head of the department of energy and she wants to ban glass uh, gra uh, gas stoves. Uh, and then you've got Buttigieg, who admitted that he showed up in East Palestine, Ohio, a little bit too late. He's a big proponent that we all start driving electric cars because fossil fuels are racist or something like that. And then we've got the Ashish, Asha, Ashi, uh, I think it's Asha, Asha Ashish, who runs the drug department. Uh, I don't know who that guy is over there that run the Surgeon General, but he's never said anything at all about fentanyl or drugs or anything that's happening over the border. And this is where we're at today. And, and this is all under the, you know, the buck stops here. Yeah, look, I'm not going to be the first one to tell you that Biden is doing a terrible job, but I may be the first one to tell you that our lives are at stake because of, oh, no, I don't think I'm, I'm the first to tell you that either. Uh, I, I think we, the Peter principle is certainly on display. And what I think troubles me mo most is the risk that this man, and, and then the, to have the audacity, the audacity, really, the audacity to declare that things are going well, because I get those tweets too. And I get those Joe Biden tweets and they make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's one. Here, here, here's, a, here's a blast from the past. <laughs> Joe Biden talking about how gas prices are just going to stabilize just because he said so. There's a lot going on uh, right now. But the idea we're going to be able to, you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food? Yeah, it's not going to happen. And it's still it's still higher than where it was when the president, the former president, left office. And I kind of want to go back again to uh, this, what I thought were momentous moments at the CPAC event this past week, where we saw uh, former President Trump speak. Because as much as I know he's a divisive character, and I, I feel that sort of cuts away at his effectiveness, I do think that he is, uh, he might just be the right man for the job. It may be too soon for DeSantis, especially when you saw the overwhelming support at CPAC, which ABC News did not, as I mentioned at the top of the show, did not even mention. But 65% of those who attended voted in the straw poll for Trump. And then we were followed by DeSantis, which is 
Now, DeSantis has not even decided to run. Now, will he run? I don't know. I mean, there's an argument for it. I'd hate to lose him as a governor. But, but think about this man's zeroing in. He knows instinctively what we're all upset about. The former commander-in-chief touting his administration's accomplishments, plus laying out his plan if elected as the next president of the United States. I was the only president in decades that didn't have a war, but I completed wars that were already started. I will implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods and gain total independence from China. We have to do it. I will fight for parents' rights. Can you believe that here we are, and I'm saying I'm going to fight for parents' rights? Who would think that you have to ever say parents' rights? Don't you think parents have pretty good rights, right? Who would think that you have to actually say it? But you do, because they took the rights away. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's crazy executive order, installing Marxist diversity, equity, and inclusion czars in every federal agency. And I will immediately terminate all staffers hired to implement this horrible agenda. I don't know. I thought he, he did pretty well. And, and I'm very skeptical. I, I, I believe that he actually put himself in danger. If you really want to know the truth, I was in an interesting conversation with a man who is 20 years my senior. And we narrowed in. He, we were talking about... Um, 1963 and he asked me who do you think who do you think was responsible for the death of JFK and why and you know and there's still no clear answer but one thing that was for sure is that just weeks before uh, we had Kennedy declare he wanted to end Vietnam he wanted to dismantle the CIA uh, and he wanted to go after the deep state because he felt that they were alone getting in his way to be an effective president. And so part of me thought that listening to Trump thought, oh boy, I mean, he could win. He is a real, real threat. We'll do this again next time, Speaking Out America. I'm JR.